Hi, I'm Morgan. Welcome to More Games. I wanted to do this podcast to inspire people to go after their dreams and have the lifestyle they've always wanted for themselves. So I hope you come on this journey with me to hear from people that inspire me to be better. I hope they do the same for you. Don Powers. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon. Thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot. Oh, you're very welcome. I know you're busy. You're a new dad. Yes, yes. I just put her down for a nap. I actually went to the beach for a little bit, and so now she's taking her nap. Aw, I put my baby down for a nap, too. I have a puppy. You're a little multi-poop, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah Bo's got to take naps, too. She is a handful, but she's. I hope she, like, stays asleep through this. Very uh, good. So I want to have you on because I've talked about you on this podcast a few times, and I thought it would be really cool to have you on because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Um, oh, that's an honor. Thank you. You gave me um, the opportunity to work at Equinox, which is, you know, the first training job that I that I had. I came into LA with without a plan, really. I had nowhere to live. I just knew, you know, I had a two-week internship that you gave me, um, and then eventually you hired me. And so I just kind of want to talk about it because I came to, I mean, I didn't even know what Equinox was. I needed to get certified for, for training. I went through the school and they said, you have to do a two week internship before you can actually get your certification. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of picked Equinox cause it was in LA. I knew I wanted to come to LA and I called um, the number, which was Beverly Hills. And they said, well, we don't have a, an opening here, but let me get you in touch with someone at uh, Equinox Encino. And then that's where I got connected with you. And I remember that day walking into the interview just for the, the internship. And I had no idea. I, it was so intimidating. I had never, I just started working out myself, decided I loved it and wanted to make it a career, but I felt like, you know, I still had body image issues with myself. I'm still trying to figure it out, uh-huh. you know, and, and I'm new at this and I walk in and it's like a spa. I'm like, and then they're like, yeah, you'll be meeting with Don Powers. He'll be here in just a minute. Just have a seat. And here you are like tall, dark and handsome. Walk up with your smile. <laughs> Hi, I'm Don. I'm like, I don't belong here. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, That's good. I remember you giving me a tour and you're like, I feel I was like yesterday. You're like, are you certified in TRX? I'm like, what is that? Okay. <laughs> what about Vipers? I'm like, huh? And then you're like, okay. Um, what about kettlebells? And I'm like, I've never used them. Like it was just one of those things where I'm like, there's no way I'm getting this opportunity. And, and then we sit down and you ask me my story, my life story. And I d- tell you exactly like, what I was going through and, and my situation and you, uh, I remember telling me like, I, people are going to be pissed. I'm giving you this opportunity. You really shouldn't be here, but I have a good feeling about you and you gave me the internship. And, um, so I just want to hear like from you, like why you decided to do that. Uh, I know. (laughs) Do you remember that long ago? This yeah, no, weird. I do, I do. Um, you know, so I, I started in the fitness industry when I was 19, and I was coming off of, I guess, kind of going through like a depression phase. Um, I lost my dad a year before that, and I let my health and fitness kind of go out the window. Um, and I started off at the front desk at a 24-hour fitness. And I worked with some of the most amazing people that have been able to, many of them are still in my life, as like mentors and like uh, role models and as such towards me. And they kind of, I don't say held my hand all the way through, but definitely provided an opportunity for me to be able to succeed and be involved in the fitness industry. And so it started at the front desk, scanning membership cards, dealing with people, um, irate customers, clients, uh, anything you could pretty much think of, I dealt with just working at the front. Uh, and from that, I learned I wanted to become a trainer, and especially having a sports background, that's what I really wanted to get involved in. And through that journey, I had managers that kind of just turned their backs on me, never really showed up in any terms of direction or guidance. Um, 
and I was kind of just winging it for the first couple of years that I became a trainer. Um, I had veteran trainers around me that were very, uh, some of them were very hard on me, very um, negative in a sense, never really gave much direction or guidance or uh, suggestions on how to better my business. And it's kind of what drive me to kind of want to help people um, in a sense, not necessarily giving second chances, but even just giving an opportunity. And so I felt that you fit right into that mold of what it is I was looking to be able to accommodate and be able to help, um, especially knowing the, the member base that Equinox has, because that's kind of like the upper echelon of the fitness industry. Um, I thought if giving you basic keys to, to become successful, it would be very simple for you to be able to, to progress in it. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it, it changed my life. And I do remember um, another manager that, because <laughs> we knew you got your own Equinox that you were going to manage um, in uh, Encino. Yeah. So, um, cause we, yeah, we started, I think I said in Encino before we were in Woodland Hills and then, you know, we get this, uh, you know, you get this opportunity to open a gym and I remember the other manager telling me like, cause it, when you guys decided to hire me after it was because you were getting Encino. The gym I was going to, yeah, I was going to transfer you to. And you were going to transfer me. And that's the only reason that they allowed you to hire me because you're like, I'll take her with me when I go. And I still remember that manager saying, you're Don's problem. You're not my problem. You don't talk to me. You don't ask me questions. If you have anything, you go to him. I you don't exist. Like he was just so mean to me, which is funny because years later he tried to sleep with me. He saw me at a bar trying to sleep with me. But at the time he was. Hey, one second. I'm, I'm dying. My office, the office is super warm in here. Hold on one second. That is, that's funny in itself. That is, that's a good story right there. Yeah, you know what? The fitness industry has its opportunities and its perks that, that it presents. Um, people throwing themselves at you is one of them. That's kind of how I got married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my wife in the gym. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I knew that's, I don't want to say that individual was an example of what my previous managers were like, but I had managers that were very much like that, that were like, this is how you punch in. This is how you punch out. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, exactly. that's what I was given. That was the keys I was pretty much given to be able to become successful. And I just knew that there was so much more that you can do and to be able to bring to the fitness industry if you have a little bit of guidance somehow, some form or fashion. Yeah. Well, you definitely did that for me. I remember – People would say, God, he's so tough. Like, you wouldn't let anything slide. But I have to tell like, the weights always had to be perfect. And you would even check behind the weight, like, to make sure that they were all aligned. And I remember we would try to just, like, take a break for a second in the break room, <laughs> like, the, when we were not supposed to. And yeah. you come in right away and be like, get back to work. And we had, you know, you – but – it, you taught me so much that still stays with me to this day. Look, I, I have my nails done, I'm done for you, just for you. So <laughs> when I first started, I, I didn't, I like came in sweats and no makeup and, and nails were never done. And, and I just remember you like explaining, you know, our members, they spend a lot of money taking care of themselves yeah. And, and and if you don't look like you take care of yourself, like why would they want to work with you? And and you need to have your nails done. You need to have your hair done. You need to like look good so that people want to like approach you and work with you. Because why would you? You know they want to work with a slob. And I okay. And I remember I couldn't afford to get my nails done, and you sent me to go get my nails done. You paid for it. Like and that's yeah. I remember all that. You see, I'm oh, dying in here right now. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> it is. You are sweating. It's like a. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you have a fan? So it's, 
Not in here. So I open the window up. It's like it's 55 degrees outside. That's nice. It's well, I'm inside though. So, you know, if I went outside, it'd be okay. But here <laughs> we are. Yeah. You know, um, I learned all that from my dad, actually. My dad was very big on presentation. I remember when I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old, he told me women should always have their hair and their nails done. He said not necessarily done like where they'd be painted, but like a woman's nails like should be clean. It shouldn't where they're just going to change a motor oil unless they're a mechanic. Yeah. You know, obviously that would, that would be suffice, I suppose. But, uh, you know, there's, you know, the members that we had, there's people that come up in $500,000 vehicles. It's like you have to have a certain presence about you and be able to um, motivate somebody to want to come in. And it's something as simple as being presentable and having yourself together to that to motivate somebody to get up out of bed and want to go do something. Right, right. Yeah. 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 And, oh, uh, back on the mic. Do you hear that? No, but my daughter's camera, she just woke up, I think. Let me see if it's if it's on. Sorry, guys. Do you still do you still hear it? Um, no, I don't. Um, yeah. So I yeah I do I remember these like key points. That was one of them. Is and and it helped so much until as soon as I started to like you know kind of look the part. It helped me a lot. And oh, then I didn't take that I, much. <laughs> Oh, thank you. And then I remember, uh, you know, you sit, and I still, I tell other trainers this and friends this, you would say, you know, if you're, if you're not willing to get up at five in the morning, if you're not willing to stay until nine o'clock at night, if you're not willing to work weekends, you're not going to make it in this industry. And I really listened to you. And even though I wasn't a morning person, I quickly became a morning person. Yeah, it's, and, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and, I did, and, I work, and and up until the pandemic, I was getting up at three thirty or four in the morning, depending on where my first client was, and I worked all day long until mm -hmm. eight or nine o'clock at night. And I worked Saturdays, and I would make sure that I took Sundays off because I did feel it was like really important to just have a day to myself. But as you should. Um, but yeah, I. I continued that work ethic and I know I have trainers come up to me that say, how are you so successful? Like I can't get clients or I can't. And I, and I look at them like, you don't look like you care. First yeah, of all. And second of yeah. all, do you like, what time do you, you know, train, you know, and, and I'd start talking to them like, you know, what, and they would say, oh, no, I'm not a morning person. I can't get up early. Or I don't, I don't want to work weekends. That's why I got this job, so I can make my own schedule. I'm not working weekends. And I'm like, yeah. then you're not going to make it. Like, like I, I have passed that on to other, to other people because it's so true. You have to be flexible, especially for the clientele that we had, where they have, like, a red carpet event on Sunday, and they want to work out the day before or the day of. Like, you have to be, you know, or you have businessmen that have to work out before work. And, um, you know, women, moms that work all day, and then they want to put their kids to sleep and then work out with you after their kids are asleep. It's like you have to be flexible. You have to be flexible. Um, and, you know, you know learn, I learned that from trial and error. I learned that from, um, you know, I, when I became a trainer, I was in junior college. So I was working. Uh, I had I played football, too, at the same time. So I was going to work sometimes at four in the morning to like five thirty, six o'clock and then going to school from like six thirty to eight thirty, nine o'clock and then depending on the days of classes and practice i was either back and forth from the gym and school or staying at school so like maybe one or two and then going to the gym from like three till ten or eleven o'clock at night and it was like that four or five days a week and it was very common and the reason why i had to do those hours was because i was in school and i obviously had school and football and I go and train clients when I had free time. And there's only so many hours on a day. Um, and then when football was not going on, I was your, you know, typical 20, 21, 22-year-old guy. So I had a, you know, personal private life that I was out sociable with people. And 
learning what schedule works and what's conducive to reality of becoming successful is one of the things I had to grasp and I kind of had to learn. So there was a time where my schedule was from 2.30 or 3 o'clock to like 10 o'clock at night. And so I trained the people who wanted to come to the gym late, like around 8 or 9 o'clock. But I made a point to where I didn't take anybody on until literally 1 or 2 in the afternoon because I'd be out all night till 3, 4, or 5 o'clock in the morning. I learned that's not the most successful way to be a trainer. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of people you lose out on business and working with. Um, and it took me some time to figure that out. But then I kind of had a mindset was, was not necessarily top, but kind of given the ability to be in the gym for long periods of time. And I learned, you know, the bulk of, obviously you can look at member scans in a gym and see when their penetration is the highest, but between 6 a.m. and 9, 10 o'clock is typically when business people, people that have regular nine to fives, are free to work out. So if you want to be successful in this business, the bulk of your clients are going to be available 4, 5, 6, 7 a.m. or 3, 4, 5, 6 o'clock p.m. And it was either do both of those shifts and figure out your personal life in between um, or figure out how to just be in the gym all the time. And so I just got in the habit of being in the gym sometimes 12, 15 hours a day. And it was almost like a, a first home for me. And, you know, home was the second place I just kind of rested at. Uh, and the thought process that I always took on trainers and kind of gave them was that I have to be able to validate why I'm letting you work and max out you know, if you go and work 40 hours in a week and you only have three clients that you train each, twice each, that's 12 hours. How can I manipulate the system to be able to give you 28 more hours to be able to build your business? Mm-hmm. And through a couple different companies, I put myself in, in jeopardy to better other people's successes. And that's kind of what I was in it for in the first place, you know, is willing to be able to sacrifice and putting people in positions to become successful and giving them the opportunity to kind of have a platform to start from. Right. Uh, oh, I'm hearing that feedback again for some reason. Oh, wait, it went away. It went away. Never mind. False alarm. Okay, so I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say, I before I really had a business, um, I was still, you know, trying to get clientele. You gave me one of your private clients. And I remember he, you know, he worked with me, you, you know, you basically like gave up your money, part of your, you know, your client for me so that I can eat and try to figure it out. And, and I, and along with that, I remember you, like, I would have to, you were the only manager I've ever had that I would say, you know, I really need a client or or I need three clients and I really, I want to, you know, I need them now, like financially I need them. And I want to, you know, uh, you know, I just like lost somebody. I need somebody. And you would have someone by the end of the day, or you would have leads by the end of the day, or you would give me more hours somehow, or you would let me train one of your clients. And, and I've never had a manager care that much. And after you left, it was like, you fend for yourself. And if you don't do the numbers, you're out. Like, and it's just, so when you left and I, (laughs) I know that you put yourself in a situation where, I mean, like it, you know, you put your, you, you risked your job to feed all of us. And so I want you to know that to this day, like trainers still talk about you and miss you and love you. And, and you made a impact in everybody's life. So. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's very interesting. There's, um, there's probably about eight to 10 trainers that worked under me or that I hired and had no fitness background. Maybe one or two of them did, but very similar like yourself. Um, And all of you guys have been able to flourish and just make avenues for yourselves that people could only dream of. Uh, And, you know, thinking of you, there's one other individual that I hired at 24 hour fitness and his name is Modu. Modu owns 13 gyms in Cabo now. And, he has, so he's partnered with all the five-star resorts that are in Cabo, and then he owns three standalone facilities. So he's 50-50 partnership with all these resorts. So like 
um, like the Hard Rock, for example, or the SLS Hotel. Um, so he owns the wellness facilities there in these gyms. The clientele that he works with and people that fly to Cabo to stay with him and people that fly him around the world now to train him, it's ridiculous. And, you know, he came here kind of similar to you, no background in fitness. Um, he had his MBA in computer science, and he was six foot four, six foot five, African dude from Senegal with a very thick accent uh, and just had a smile from like ear to ear. And people just love his genuine energy about him. Very similar to you. You're a very likable person, very easy to talk to. And some of those are the basic principles that being in any type of sales industry, I think you need to have to be able to be successful. Uh, I've, especially Equinox, I hired and interviewed some of the most intelligent individuals to walk this planet. 90% of them couldn't talk to a paper bag. And <laughs> you know, as much as it sucks to say that, that's the truth. And it's like, even when I was 21 in my, you know, my early twenties, I had managed, I was a manager for over 45 employees. And there was maybe two trainers that were younger than me or maybe the exact same age, but the majority of my staff was in their mid thirties or so. And half these people couldn't have a serious business conversation with their own clients. And I'm like, I don't know how you make five, 10, $15,000 a month, whatever. And you can't, verbalize to somebody what it is that you need them to do or what they have to do and how to take their credit card out and pay for it. That's, you know, it's an uncomfortable conversation, but you know, it's, it, there's a skill kind of in what I taught you to, how to kind of address your clients, how to build your clients, how to identify who would be a good fit for you personally. Um, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say tricks of the trade, but definitely taught you how to identify people that I think would be responding really well. Right. And it's funny because I, I've noticed that just working at Equinox for six years, you observe like your own clients and then other trainers' clients. And it is funny because once you learn that, you do, you gravitate towards people that are like you in a way. And I yeah. realized that my clientele were and still are morning people. So mm -hmm. uh, they're the people that are really driven. They're up at four or five in the morning. They are successful in business, in relationships, their marriage, their, you know, their families, and they, they have it together and they stay with me for years. Some of them I've had since we opened Encino. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been a really long, like, yeah, like eight years ago, nine years ago. This 2013 yeah yeah it's been a while and they're still with me and then mm -hmm. you know I tried taking on afternoon evening clients and the afternoon still like stays around but I remember even back then at Equinox they they were kind of more flakier usually they were like actors or models or or kids like that weren't really into it, but their parents wanted them to be active yeah. and they were just kind of a hit or miss. And then the evening people never stay around very often because they're tired and they just got off work and they're like, okay, <laughs> I am too tired to do this. And they don't last very long. And so I started seeing, so morning is like my jam, but I started seeing other trainers and the trainers that are late, or they don't show up half the time for their clients, their, tr their clients are very similar. Like they'll stand the trainer up. They don't show up half the time. They reschedule a lot. They're late a lot. They're like 30 minutes late. And they're like, let's just do a quick 30 minute session. Yeah. Um, and the trainer is that way too. And it's just funny how you do like gravitate towards like people. You would hope that in that profession too, especially at a certain at a certain point, I think being around so many successful individuals, um, you start to pick up uh, successful business tips that help you better your own personal business, whether it be directly um, in conversation and speaking with somebody or different avenues on how people uh, teach you how to uh, even, I'd say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? network with other clients, whether it be other clients, other business individuals. Um, there's a lot to it goes with it. And, and I mean, you saw, there's a lot of trainers that they got weeded out um, before me, even, I mean, from me 
after. And a lot of times it's, it doesn't take much for the spotlight to be on somebody to, for them to really realize what it is that they're lacking at and what's holding them back, especially being in such a, in a public environment like that. Um, you know, Equinox Gym is very, now I hear feedback. Mm -hmm. Stop now. Yeah, it stopped. Okay. Um, the Equinox Gyms, you know, as a whole, kind of what you just spoke to, the member base is very affluent. Um, most of the people, especially where we lived at, are in the entertainment industry, some form or fashion. And so like what you said, come six, seven o'clock at night, it's a ghost town unless you know it's like you have like young college kids or people in their early 20s or mid 20s that are you know whether have their real estate individuals <laughs> or kids. it's like a different it's a different place at night no absolutely absolutely during the day or like the morning it's more business people and people that are you know and then at night sometimes i would go train someone and i'm like this is a different crowd and every it's like a meat market <laughs> at night Word. <laughs> so the fitness industry that's just kind of that's i don't want to say that's a staple but that's kind of that's that's um uh unknown fable i guess i don't know i want to say it's an unspoken truth <laughs> yeah. it can yeah i mean a lot of people meet each other meet significant others in the fitness fitness yeah. world yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens. So, you know, you see people and, and a lot of people are there specifically for that purpose in itself, you know, whether it is to distract them from whatever they're going on with outside at work or home. Um, but it's obviously a great place to meet people too. So Yes, I don't know. <laughs> relationships have Yes. Yes. Um <laughs> So I, so I know a little bit about your, like your life before Equinox, like you were saying, and you played football and I know you lost your, your dad at a pretty young age. And then eventually, unfortunately lost your mom, you know, at a pretty young age. Um, but I don't really know what happened after Equinox. I know that you got into like acting a little bit and like doing stunts, right. For football yeah. commercials and things. So um, so I just want to talk about like, so you, you left Equinox yes. and, and then I know that we kept in touch a little bit, but, mm -hmm. um, so what did you decide to do after training? Uh, so after Equinox, um, Equinox was the fourth fitness establishment that I'd worked with. So I worked for 20, 24 hour fitness for about six and a half years, almost seven years. Um, after 24 hour fitness, I left 24 Fitness in June of 2009. In July of 2009, um, one of my younger cousins used to hit me up all the time. And this was when I was a fitness manager for the 24 Hour Fitness in Sherman Oaks. And he would call me and tell me that he was doing a football commercial and that the coordinators he was working with needed more football players. And so he would tell me like how much he was making a day. And it was really good money, but I didn't have a background in that. And I just couldn't call out sick to go do one job here or there. And I didn't really know much about the film industry in that sense of how it pays and how it works out. And so I ended up leaving 24 Hour Fitness. The next month, maybe three weeks later, my cousin contacted me and said that the, one of the guys he works for um, had a big commercial that he was gonna be doing and needed more football players. And so he gave me the guy's number, um, had me send the guys some pictures of me in football pads and my height and weight and the positions I played. And the guy called me back five minutes later, um, and I was booked on a commercial. It was a commercial featuring Adrian Peterson at the time, and it was a big Nike spot. And so I worked on this commercial. I got my SAG card off of it, um, and it was a life-changing experience. Um, a lot of people that I came in contact with in my early 20s when I was at FM at the 24-Hour Fitness in Sherman Oaks became peers of mine, became coworkers, guys that I filmed with a lot. Uh, and it was very eye-opening uh, in a sense to where I was able to see uh, that's a way of explaining it. So, for example, in the gym, you have the sales staff, the trainers, the managers, and the cleaning people. Mm -hmm. Everybody gets paid, obviously, and depending on where you're at, and those, those tiers will determine how much money you make. I'm the first, this first commercial I was on, 
we were paid astronomically well for the week we worked. But on the set, there was over 300, 400 people on set. So I was like, everybody's, I know everybody's getting paid. Some people were getting paid minimum wage. Whoever's writing the check for this production is obviously making the most money. And so it was very like, I could do this, you know, and I thought I was going to be the next Denzel Washington. It's like, so that summer I did three commercials um, and I got my SAG card and, and then nothing really happened after that. You know, I made some decent money. Um, and then in that time frame, I ended up getting hired at LA Fitness. Actually, it was Bally's at the time. Um, and I worked at Bally's in Studio City for about a year and a half, two years. Uh, and then I went to, to Equinox. And so when leaving Equinox, I was still doing commercials here and there in between. Um, and the managers knew, the, my, my direct managers were aware of uh, what it is I did and the, say the frequency of how often I was filming because it was typically maybe a job every couple months or so, um, depending on what was going on. Um, and so when I left Equinox, I vowed to never have a regular nine to five job again. Um, I'd kind of figured out that I know enough in the business world and I know enough people to where I could be able to still train clients if I wanted to train clients. Um, I could get myself involved with other programs, um, which one of them is a young warrior, as my buddy just called me a minute ago, um, but the youth program I mentor. And I just, I was able to spend more time with my mom. My mom was pretty sick at the time. Um, and I just knew I could provide for myself without having to go into a professional building and punch a clock every day. And so that's kind of where I left it at. Um, I took a year, well, actually, matter of fact, not long after I left Equinox, you took my headshots. Yes, I did. Yes, you did. So, and I still yeah. use one of those fairly often. I mean, I've gotten more photos done, obviously, since then, but one of the ones you took, I use that on a lot of jobs that I get submitted for. Uh, so it's definitely, it's gone a long way. It's gone a long, long way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my free time freed up a lot. You know, I was able to spend uh, every week with my mom until my mom passed away. I was taking her to a lot of her doctor's appointments. Excuse me. Uh, my life, I'd say uh, one of the things that Equinox preaches a lot is work-life balance. Um, working at Equinox, as you know, was a treacherous time for managers, especially. We had staggered days off, so I was off was it Fridays and Sundays, I think, or something like that. But to have like a regular personal life, never could really do anything because you only got 36 hours to be able to get away and come back. Yeah. Um, and so that was one of the things that made me think like, you know, my life works 50, 60 hours a week. I don't need to put myself in a position where I'm not able to spend the free time that she does have with her. So that's kind of what I stuck to. Um, I got myself more involved with doing more film stuff. Um, the work definitely picked up in that sense. Uh, and I kind of opened up my parameters in terms of jobs that I started doing. Uh, I started doing a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat training, um, weapons training, uh, and this was all just for work stuff. So in that, I got into doing football commercials. And since then, I've done stunts on some major TV shows like SWAT, CSI, um, Rosewood, uh, SEAL Team, and then the biggest achievement that I got out of all this so far is I got a SAG award for working on the movie Black Panther. Uh, so you never know, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a journey. Um, and that's pretty much what I stuck with since then. Uh, in doing stuff in the fitness world still, <clears throat> I'm the director of trainer development for this company, the company in Cabo, uh, through my buddy uh, Modu. Um, and pretty much what I've done is I created an in-house certification uh, and I won't disclose the individual's name because they might follow this video. Uh, and I don't want to get anybody in any type of trouble with their regular nine to fives, but a trainer that you and I both worked with or worked for me and worked with you uh, assists me. And so pre-pandemic, we were going out to Cabo every couple months or so and teaching uh, trainer development courses. Um, everything from teaching the trainers how to show up at the door with a towel and a water bottle 
uh, to how to do their blood pressure cuff, um, how to do an FMS reading, uh, overhead squat assessment, everything under the sun pretty much, and teaching trainers how to be successful trainers. Um, definitely a nice perk. You know, it's, it's rough going to Cabo for work. I know, and I remember offering you that once, but to, to, to work with you in Cabo, yeah. I remember, but at that time, I was at my peak, like, peak, peak my career was outstanding, and I was, like, There's so scared. With that. I was so scared of changing anything. Because I was juggling so much that I'm like, if I change one thing, this could all, I need to take advantage of where I'm at now. No, that's um, understandable. That's but, understandable. Uh, but that sounds amazing. So it is. Go, and uh, it's, it's a whole other experience in itself. You know, my buddy that, uh, that owns the gyms, um, I was on him very much high how I was on you. Uh, and he tells his staff the exact same thing. You know, he... This guy, he, he's a, I want to say he was a party animal in the past, but the, not into, I don't know, I'd, a lot of your followers are from California, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this guy was not, a, not, I mean, he was a big party animal, but was not into like the Hollywood nightlife. So um, never drank alcohol. He drinks green tea religiously, um, doesn't do any type of drugs, nothing. I mean, he's a very straight edge, clean guy, very healthful living. Um, but he would, he worked as a host at nightclubs outside of being a trainer. So like he would be at the clubs from, I don't know, 10 PM to two, three in the morning. And then he'd be at the gym at five 30 training his clients. And his whole goal was that he wanted to be able to provide for his son. And his son was, I think two years old at the time. And now he owns all these gyms in Cabo. He's actually opened up a branch in Senegal. Um, he's a major uh, equipment distribution facilitator with life life fitness equipment um and just like you know with you same thing i know some of your clients that they're not bad clients and they've definitely put you in positions to be successful and that's really what I, what i get most out of all this uh you know seeing people be able to succeed and, and using their god-given talents to do so Aww, thank you well we definitely wouldn't be here if it weren't for you i say oh, yes thank you. i have I've been blessed with amazing clients that have given me so many opportunities and uh, I, I don't know where I'd be without them either, but it also, yeah, Hawaii is not bad. Hawaii is not bad. <laughs> and I am missing Hawaii. Like, yes, this pandemic needs to be over. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's a huge perk. Um, and you know, but with, with I was gonna ask you with the pandemic, are you still able to go to Cabo or is that kind of on hold? No. Um, so as uh, actually, I don't know if would you mind. Let me see if I can message my wife. Have her bring my little nugget in here. Um, I would love that. I want to get into that as well because you have an amazing story with you. your daughter. So I'll I'll talk a little bit about that real quick while I'm messaging her. So my wife and I struggled with uh, some fertility issues, and we were working on getting pregnant for, for years. Actually, our nine month, our nine month, our nine year wedding anniversary is coming up in two weeks. Uh, so March 2nd, we'll be married nine years. Uh, I met her. She was doing box jumps at a 24 hour fitness in Sherman Oaks downstairs. One day when I was uh, young and fun, I was like 22 or 23. I had some, some nice curls too at the time too. And so I walked up <laughs> and told her she was gonna hurt herself or bust her face if she kept jumping the way she was jumping, and I just walked off. And then she came by my desk like a half hour later and asked me what to do to get a trainer. And luckily enough, I was the man in charge, so, <laughs> you know, that's how she got. Hold on, let me see if I can get her bring her in here real quick. <laughs> okay. So we, uh, we went through seven IUI um, procedures um, for the people that know anything about fertility, um, you know what that is. For those that don't, you can look it up. IUIs, uh, it's a somewhat semi-invasive procedure. It's involving some hormone stimulants and uh, timing, I guess, of when, when the woman's body is most fertile. Um, those were all unsuccessful. 
and so we ended up having to do four rounds of IVF. So we had uh, on our fourth IVF transfer, it was successful. This was after using two different doctors. Um, and so this came from our third doctor we were with that we met when we moved to Huntington Beach almost two years ago now, so a year and a half ago. Um, she is a bundle of joy. Uh, I never <laughs> never saw myself having a little girl, but this little girl's wrapped around my finger. It has me wrapped around her fingers. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so it's crazy because, um, as you were mentioning, and not knowing too much about my my childhood with my dad. My dad became sick when I was nine and uh, he had what's called cardiomyopathy. So he had an enlarged heart. Um, from that, he had to retire and was pretty much a house dad or um, a stay home dad uh, from when I was nine until I was 18 when he passed away. So a majority of my childhood, you know, I, dad made me breakfast every morning. Um, he brought me lunch to school every day. Um, because of his condition, he had a heart condition, he taught me how to drive when I was like nine, 10 years old. So when I was in junior high, he would actually let me drive to school. He would be in the drive, in the passenger seat, obviously. Um, and he would let me drive back home after school. Uh, and then when I turned 15, I was just pretty much his chauffeur everywhere. Uh, but I was pretty much, I don't want to say a daddy's boy, but I was, you know, I was like my dad's little right hand man. So jokingly, I've always told my wife, I'm going to be a house husband. Uh, she didn't find it too funny at first but being in, in, in the field I work in now you know I'm able um, productions are still semi going and I, I do fairly decent to where I don't have to worry about being somewhere every single day um, when jobs do come up um, she helps out working around her schedule and whatnot to care for a little one but I'm able to be home with her about 99% of the time so it's, uh, it's a blessing definitely uh, and I love it. Yeah. Aww, yeah. So great. I, uh, when I found out that you guys are pregnant and seeing that it was going well and then just, and she's beautiful. I was Thank so you. because I knew you guys are struggling for a really long time. And I just, I was hoping you would get the opportunity to be a dad. Cause I knew you would be amazing at it. Yeah. So I got my, my DILF shirt on. <laughs> Yeah, I got a Dilf's devoted, involved, loving father. Yeah, so she's she's eating. She's eating. Um, we started feeding her solid foods almost three weeks ago, and so she's eating bananas right now. And then as soon as she gets done, I think my wife will bring in, bring her in here. Um, oh, yeah. But going back to what you asked me, so I that was all for a reason. Um, I we had several trips planned to Cabo. We were supposed to go to Cabo the first week of April of last year. And then the, my counterpart, uh, the uh, unknown man, and myself were going to be out there for about two and a half weeks. And so we were going to do a trainer uh, development course for a week. And then we were going to help host um, a company that sends about a thousand employees for a fitness retreat from New York. And we were going to host them for a, a week. And being that my wife's pregnant and the world was coming to a stop, it was safest to stay right where I'm at. So mm -hmm. here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be able to get back to going to Cabo. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about that, so the, the week that my buddy was out here in L.A. Uh, having some meetings to get this all organized, my buddy and um, the trainer, your, our counterpart, and myself went and met with him for dinner in Marina Del Rey, and he ended up telling us that he had a baby on the way. Uh, so his daughter, he has a daughter. His daughter and my daughter are like, their birthdays are about three or four weeks apart from each other. Aww. Yeah. So um, as soon as, uh, you know, this this whole time of living now is really wild. Um, on a sad note, we've lost some relatives, much like yourself, to COVID. Um, my wife's grandfather, actually uncle, acting grandfather is uh, actually in the hospital right now battling COVID and he's God is almost 80 years old and it's uh, you know it's a scary situation so um, all the women in my family the immediate people so like my wife actually I'm sorry my mother-in-law my sister and my sister-in-law have all gotten vaccinated because they work in the medical field 
my wife and I are intending on planning on getting vaccinated uh, probably around midsummer or so. I know some people are hesitant about that, but I've seen what not being vaccinated has done. So uh, I'm a firm believer in science too. We wouldn't have our little girl if it wasn't for science. Uh, so with that said, once we get all those things situated, uh, we plan to get back into going to Cabo, uh, going on regular vacations, uh, getting out of our hermit hole, uh, and getting back to having some type of normalcy. That's, that's the plan. So, And as long as I have air in my lungs, I promise you, you will come on a trip sometime to Cabo to do some work out there. I would love yeah. that. Yeah, with this pandemic, it's um, it's been interesting because, you know, since you hired me, I have been hustling every day, you know, five, six days a week, just mm -hmm. hustle, hustle. And so at first I was in shock and miserable because I'm like, oh, my God, like, what am I? I, you know, I was training and still train most of my clients over FaceTime or Zoom. I only have two, a couple that I've trained for like nine years and then, and, and then a newer client that I train at a park. Um, th those are the only ones I see in person and everyone else is on FaceTime or Zoom. And so I'm used to working all day, every day. Um, and I like work for four hours a day and then I'm like, okay, now what? Well, now what do I do the rest of my time? Driving me, it's driving me crazy. And so that's partly why I wanted to, do this podcast. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Here's our little nugget. Oh so here's my wife Noemi. Good morning. And our little beautiful girl. Oh. Hola. Gosh, hola. So cute. And this is Alana Jasmine. Beautiful. And so thank you, thank you. You said the camera. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. So she was she was our uh, our golden child um, that came from our fourth transfer, uh, and she's been a bundle of joy. Um, something for you new parents out there, if any of you guys are are working on having one in the future, uh, make sure you you comb through your little babies, like you see on the Nature Channel, how they do with the animals. Um, this little piece of tape you see back here, she had a procedure done. Um, we noticed there was like a lump on the back of her head where the tape is at, obviously, um, about six weeks ago. It's okay. It's okay. The camera won't say, oh, she might be pooping. So she's eating solid food. So solid food equals solid poop. And it's, hey, it's real. It's real. At least she's able to, my niece struggles with that. And she has, and it's awful watching her try to go and she can't. And it's like, focused all of a sudden. When you're a mom, it's like, like, I just see it with my sister, like all, like, you're just like all of that stuff, like the gross stuff goes out the window. You're like, I don't care. I need her to go. Okay. <laughs> I need her to be healthy. You also um, better, Morgan? So, cute. so, hi, baby. Oh, she's so, so cute. she just got her, uh, she got her, her work permit two weeks ago. So, if there's any casting agents out there, we're looking to get us some baby commercials soon. Um, and she just did an audition for her first national commercial the other day with me. So, we're trying to get booked on a Walmart ad together. Oh, she's, she's never been to a Walmart. She might not even know what that is, but if they send us a check, we'll take it. <laughs> she's oh. beautiful. Thank so you, she thank had, you, thank you. were saying that you, she had a procedure done. I saw that. Yeah, so so where the tape is at, she had a small little little lump back here that was really, really hard, and we didn't couldn't tell what it was. Say bye. Say you else, mama. Bye, guys. It's so good seeing you. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, she's so cute. So my wife speaks to her primarily mostly in Spanish, so we're working on teaching her Spanish first, English English second. And so I've been working on my, my Espanol as well. It's uh, un poquito, but it's getting there. Um, but there's a couple different apps and, and podcasts that I listen to on a daily basis. So... Back to the lump. So she had a small lump on the back of her head. We know it was like six, seven weeks ago. It was really hard, but it wasn't like a, um, it didn't move around almost like, like you would think like a tumor or something like that. 
And so, and when you push on it, she didn't make any um, notions as if it hurt or she was in pain or anything. So we took the day we noticed this, the next day we scheduled a doctor's appointment to have it looked at. And our doctor was out, but her one of her counterparts looked at it and said that it looked like normal bone growth uh, that some infants develop. And that as her skull grew, it would kind of just go away. Um, so I took her for a six month checkup two weeks ago and I had her doctor look at it again. And as soon as I mentioned it to her, she looked at it and got kind of, she got kind of funny, started like kind of fumbling her words a little bit, which kind of made me a little bit alarmed. Um, but she said, you know, it's nothing. It doesn't feel like anything too uh, much to be concerned about and that she would refer us out to a neurosurgeon. And so she said what it most likely is is some type of dead, dead, dead uh, cell tissue. Um, and it can either be um, like a bone fragment, it could be hair, it could be skin follicles. Uh, and so we took her to the doctor and they ended up doing the procedure Tuesday. Uh, the doctor had to drill it out, which sounds scary. Um, but basically they went in maybe about, I don't know, less than a quarter of an inch or so. And what it was, was about the size of three peas and it was a bunch of hair follicles just wrapped up. And so what happens is this, the, the cell membrane doesn't, doesn't mature all the way when, when the baby is a fetus, actually. So this is starts before they even come out. And so as they get older and they start to grow, this will also grow. And at some point, it'll start, start to cause an indentation into her skull. And so the doctor said... Um, one, they, have, they want to do a biopsy on it to make sure it's not cancerous, uh, but two, to take it out so it doesn't end up getting bigger and bigger. Um, and so when they went in and took it out Tuesday morning, they could see that it was just a bunch of hair follicles just kind of compacted it together. So thank the Lord. It was nothing more serious than that. And uh, as scary as it was to have our little girl going for surgery, she's, uh, she doesn't even act like she knew what happened. So. Oh. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm glad that worked out. So, so now that they've removed it, it can't start growing back. The, they say that the likeliness of growing of it growing back is it's like maybe like a half a percent, okay. like one percent chance. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she's such a blessing. Oh yes, she is. Yes, she is. So, she is our little beam of light and our our little cup of joy that keeps us positive every day. Oh. That's amazing. Well, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I love seeing your family grow. And I know you, you know, you're on the beach now, which I know you love. And <laughs> you are like living the dream. <laughs> the goal is to buy a beach house. <clears throat> that's my that goal, is the goal. That, that's, that's what I'm working towards. Um, I would say... Uh, I don't know how much time we have left, but for the people that are in the fitness industry that, that follow Morgan, um, I would highly recommend you guys to build strong bonds and relationships with your clients. Um, you don't know necessarily where those relationships will take you, but typically people that invest in you and themselves look at you as being a positive influence in their, their health and in their world. And so the more that you can make that mesh together, uh, the more successful you'll become down the road, uh, in the present moment, and hopefully down the, you know, in much years later in your, your future. Because um, these people will definitely hold you close to them and make sure that you kind of uh, have a fail-proof success plan to stay above, above ground, especially right now, uh, as hectic as it is. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I agree a hundred percent. I don't, through this pandemic, that's what I was kind of getting at is, is I, I started this podcast and I, a little clothing line that I'm working on and trying to um, like do things that I've always wanted to do that I always said, oh, I don't have time to do that because mm -hmm. I have time and I want to be productive. And after but, those four uh, hours. <laughs> <laughs> got 20 other hours to do something what else am I gonna do so yeah. um so I got a puppy that takes up a lot of time but no I wanted to to you know do some things that I've always wanted to do that I just never had time but but the clients thank god I mean that that pay the bills 
they have been so great. Like, of course they want, they want to stay healthy and they want to stay fit through this. And this is like their sanity because the gyms are closed and Mm -hmm. they can't go very many places. And so they, they look forward to the workout, but they also just want to make sure that I'm taken care of because I have become like family to my clients. I'm in some of their wills. Like they're my family. It's like, we've, we are so close and I've had clients that are like, how, how are you doing financially? Do I need to pay for another set like now? And I'm like, you just bought 12 sessions. Yeah, but I could pay for another 12 if you're, if you need it. I'm like, no, I'm good. But thank you. Like, I just know that they're there. They have my back and they know my goals. It's funny because I've, I got really into um, just like vision boards for a while and manifesting mm-hmm. and I want a beach house as well. And, um, and it's funny. I, I had told myself that I will know that I have made it when I'm in like Santa Monica on the beach. And like, I wasn't as specific. I should have been, I, I need to get better at that, but good thing. I am in Santa Monica. I'm a few blocks away from the beach. It's not my beach house. Um, but it's, I, I'm so happy to be like where I am. I went from living in my car when you met me to now living in my dream area, um, you know, close to the ocean and I can walk pretty much anywhere. I don't have to drive if I don't want to right now. And so that's Mm -hmm. been amazing to just be able to like, you know, walk to the grocery store or to get coffee or lunch or whatever. And um a huge part of that is because of you so i want to thank you for everything that you've done you're very welcome i i knew just in meeting you and talking to you that all these things you have now you could have uh if you just showed up and kind of getting back to what we were talking about and and like having a work ethic uh and some of my friends and peers i work with i grew up with you know, um, I was not as fortunate as them, but some of them made it to the to their professional um, peak in whether it be for Major League Baseball or the NFL or the NBA. And I got some buddies even I work with now. Some of them have lost their jobs. And I'm talking about million-dollar contracts because they showed up to team meetings five minutes early. Five minutes early. Five minutes early. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's a buddy, a buddy of mine I, I work with pretty frequently. He played for the New Orleans Saints. And I remember he tells, because we tell some of, the, you know, some of these young guys that we work with, we do commercials with, just how meticulous it is about being on a set. You know, there's two, 300 people there. And at the end of the day, if we're the ones, the, the, you know, the players on the field, we are pretty much the main attraction of whatever it is we're shooting. And to be on time, be prepared, those are, it goes in every business, everything you do. Uh, but one of these guys was telling a group of us one day that he got cut and released by the Saints because he showed up to his team meeting five minutes early. The head coach was at the door with a clipboard, everybody's names on it. He was like one of the last two guys in the room. And when he got in there, everybody was already had already been in there for like five, ten minutes. And I don't know if the coach was in a bad mood or what the case was, but he said after the team meeting, he got asked to go to the, the head coach's office, and that was it. Wait, five minutes early or five minutes late? Early. I don't understand why you would get fired for being five minutes early to a meeting. Actually, I think the expectation is, is to be there 15 to 20 minutes early. Oh, okay. But, you know, it's, so if you're it's on a cutthroat the- world, I guess, you yeah. know. It's funny. I've had clients that have been upset at me for showing up five to 10 minutes early. Um, I, I don't like being late and I feel like on time is late because by the time I park and get into their house and we get into the gym, like I don't want to take up their time. So if mm-hmm. I show up at their gate at seven for a seven o'clock, like in my mind, I'm, I'm late. But yeah. I have clients that actually I do the call box and they go and, and I'm five minutes early and they will say, Morgan, is that you? Yes. You're five minutes early. Yeah. I just figured that, you know, I'd park and get in there and we'd get going. Yeah. I'll, I'll buzz you in at seven. And then I just sitting at the gate and I'm like, 
okay, this is awkward, and I've just learned. And then you get another client where you show up at the, you know, at the time, and they're like, you're late. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> you can't really, win for trying. You have you know? to learn you what your audience wants. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's kind of in the in the beginning stages of building a, a, a relationship with your clients. That's you know, some of the things you want to talk about, I think being on the professional side, you always want to make sure you're, you're early or on time to be prepared. Uh, but if your clients are, you know, very adamant about, you know, we start at seven, that means I let you in my house or on my property at seven o'clock and then it takes us 15 minutes to get to the gym or whatever. I mean, that's on them, you know, really, but yeah, we all have our own clients that have their own little quirky ways about them. Absolutely. I had a client, so I train. I train a, uh, a lawyer uh, about four days a week in the mornings at six a.m. Um, since my wife went back to work, she works New York hours. She works East Coast hours since her office is based out of New York. So we're up pretty much five five thirty every morning. Um, and he messaged me a week ago at five fifty eight that he was tired, hadn't slept at all in the last two days, and to charge him for the session, but. He decided to get some rest. He was like, all right, well, you got up in time to text me. But so I messaged him back. We ended up getting in a workout about an hour later. And, you know, it's obvious I don't have anywhere to go. I mean, I can things I can do. Uh, but I was kind of getting him, you know, this is just our first month in and kind of embedding the thought into his mind that, you know, come hell or high water, you need to be doing something, you know, more frequently than not. For yeah. Your own yeah, I have an issue with someone um, who is he. I've I've had him for a while now, but he's a scientist. He does breast cancer research, and he has a family. And um, you know, he had a grant that was coming up, and it was, he was very stressed out about it. And and he got into that groove of every morning at five, we're at five thirty, and and he would just cancel 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 and he's mm -hmm. like, just charge me for it just charge me for it and i'm like do you know how much money you're wasting and do you know how long it's been since we've done anything like this is going to keep you sane this yeah. is so we had a heart to heart and then he got back to it and even though he was tired he was like i have to do this you're right because it mentally it helps me and I, I can focus more and I just feel, I feel better. And so mm -hmm. instead of getting that extra hour of sleep, he's been like getting up and, and doing this. But, um, but we went through that for like two weeks. I feel like it was just cancel, 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 just charge me, just charge me. I'm like, no, this can't, can't, can't go on. Like I'm not understanding about this anymore. That's good. You got to learn when to kind of put your foot down and, and take control in somebody's life. And at the end of the day, as trainers and kind of life influencers, uh, it's not always rainbows and pots of gold. It's sometimes, you know, having uncomfortable conversations with people about what, what can happen if they don't do anything about their own health. And, you know, we're definitely in a, in a world and, and profession of providing more, more to somebody's uh, personal value. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Than, uh, yeah. yeah. You don't do your clients any favors by just allowing them. The rug. No, not really. No, 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 you got it. That's not what they pay you for. So yeah. sometimes it's, it's uncomfortable and sometimes you just have to say, look, um, if you're not going to take this seriously, then, then I'm not going to sit around and then they and then they they're like oh you're gonna leave me <laughs> it's almost like being dumped <laughs> yeah like i mean this relationship isn't working and they're like okay i promise i'll do better like okay you know and then later they, they think yes. for it so um but yeah ah oh, i appreciate this dawn i really you're very welcome you coming on and taking the time and your little girl is beautiful i can't wait to meet her Thank you, thank you. Yeah, let's, do see you let's do Cabo after all of this is over. I'm ready. I, yes, they're growing and developing, so he needs all the help he can get. Good. I have, unfortunately, a lot of free time right now. <laughs> so let's get that rolling. Make the best of it while you got it. Yes, 100%.
Absolutely. Thank you so much, and I will see you soon when all this is over and we're vaccinated. We will get together. I will meet your little girl. We'll do a Cabo trip and change some lives. Very well, and I'm very impressed. You've been on it. Thank you so much. I, I think of you every time. I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm interviewing Dawn tomorrow. I got to get the nails done. I call my girl. Oh, that's good. Yep, and I was like, all right, got it done. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have your little one's nails done already. Actually, so I clip her nails. Um, I do her nails like twice a week. Baby's nails grow like weeds. It's like every other day her nail beds, and she has her mom's nail beds too, so her nails are really long. Um, but I clip her fingernails and her toenails like twice a week. Yeah. Well, you be impressed. Get sharp, right? and she's into like scratching and. These are sharp. real. These are my nails. Can you believe it? They're long. They look. And they look healthy. They're healthy. I'm Very telling good. you. Very good. I love Thank it. You. I love it. It was good talking to you, and I will see you soon. Take care. Nice talking to you as well, Morgan, and very proud of you. Keep up the amazing work you're doing. Thank you so much. I you're will. welcome. Too. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Bye. Bye.